Thanks for joining us on Stand Strong in the Word podcast with author, speaker, and worldview expert, Jason Jimenez. Stand Strong in the Word podcast is devoted to walking listeners through the Bible in a fresh and powerful way. We pray your spirit is nourished as you gain new perspectives and a renewed appreciation for God's Word. Now, here's Jason Jimenez. Well, what's up, my friends? Welcome to Stand Strong in the Word podcast. Jason Jimenez with you as always. So glad to be with you guys as we take this time and open up God's Word and let God's Word speak to us. Now, I know we live in crazy times, and there's a lot of things that are going on right now. And who better to look at as an anchor, as an example outside of Jesus Christ, obviously, and that would be Paul the Apostle. He is someone who went through so much, so much pain and rejection, traveled thousands upon thousands of miles during the Roman dictatorship, and eventually, as we know, he was beheaded. Now, today is podcast 135, and this is part two where where we left off last time in Acts chapter 21. Paul's arrested, and he's presented before this Jewish mob as Lysias, who is this uh, you know religious leader, excuse me, a Roman leader, and they are going to flog him. And of course, we're going to see today he steps in there after laying out the case how he got converted about Jesus Christ, and then he's going to appeal to his Roman citizenship. And the fascinating thing about this is that Paul, again, knows his audience, my friends. So I want you to stop and think, what are some people in your life right now like in in regards to Christianity? Do you know the people that are around you? Uh, Are you aware of the kind of people that God has placed in your life and you know how to communicate to them. Because see, my friends, that is the challenge. You go to church, you can study the Bible, but then it gets to a point where you think, okay, how am I taking what I know to be true and how am I teaching that to people around me? And what about people who are hostile to what it is you believe? My friends, those are the challenges that more and more Christians, even here in America, are facing today. There are people, as we know, all over the world, Christians who are, have devoted their lives. We, we call them the one-way ticket Christians, right? Meaning they're not coming back. They're not coming back to the comfort zone. They're going out there at all costs to do what God has called them to do. So today, as we look at Paul, where he's at right now, we're going to see uh, so much of this fervor, this determination, this passion. He was relentless. So I don't know, again, as I always lay out before you in the podcast, I don't know where you're at in life right now. If you're discouraged, if you've been uplifted, you lost your job, you're in a particular sin, a broken relationship, you found us because you're just searching online and you're going around just trying to find hope, just trying to find answers in the, in the Bible. You're, you're wondering whether or not God is real. If God hears your prayers or you're a Christian who wants to be sharpened who wants to have a robust biblical worldview, who wants to engage the culture for Christ, that you want to make disciples, you want people to pour into you. Well, you found uh, the right podcast because here, as the title says, we are going to stand strong in God's word because we can give our opinions, my friends. We can have personal preference about certain things. We can have a disdain for something or a distaste about something we may not like. But the reality is, God exists, we live in his world, and he has certain expectations for all of us, 
And he has called us, if you are listening or watching this right now, he has called each one of us to go out and to make disciples. And that's what Paul did. No matter the cost, Paul made disciples, even when it was painful, even when he, as we're going to be picking things up here in a minute, was dragged before a Jewish mob that want to see him killed. They want to murder him in cold blood. So if you've missed any previous podcast, you can always go to standstrongministries.org. And hey, listen, wherever you get this podcast, whatever your platform is, how you get the feed, the RSS feed, make sure you leave a review. We would greatly appreciate that. I mean, when you believe reviews, it bumps us up and exposes us to more people. And so if you have never done that, man, I'm asking you from the bottom of my heart, would you please do that? And I would greatly appreciate that in advance to each one of you guys. If you're watching us for the first time on YouTube, welcome. Hit subscribe so you get more notifications like a video like this and other videos that I put out. And if you've always listened, but you never jumped on YouTube, you can go find me on YouTube at Jason P. Jimenez. That's J-I-M-E-N-E-Z. And that is readily available for you. So with that, my friends, let's dump, jump in here to podcast 135, part two, as, Jesus, as, as Paul has been arrested in Jerusalem. And now let's see how he responds to this Jewish mob here in verse 37 of Acts chapter 21. It says here, and this is Paul speaking now before this mob. It says, as Paul was about to be brought into the barracks. Now, remember, that's the fortress of Antonia. He said to the tribune, may I say something to you? And he said, do you know Greek? Are you not the Egyptian then who recently stirred up a revolt and led the 4,000 men of the assassins out into the wilderness? Paul replied, I am a Jew from Tarsus and Cilicia. Cilicia, a citizen of no obscure city, I beg you, permit me to speak to the people. And when he had given him permission, Paul, standing on the steps, motioned with his hand to the people. And when there was a great hush, he addressed them in the Hebrew language, saying, now this is jumps in chapter 22, verse 1. And I'm going to read all the way to verse 21. It says, brothers and fathers, hear the defense that I now make before you. And when they heard that he was addressing them in Hebrew language, they, began, they became even more quiet. And he said, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus and uh, uh, Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of your fathers, being zealous for God, as all of you are this day. Verse 4, I persecuted this way to the death binding and delivering to prison both men and women as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear me witness. From then I received letters to the brothers and I journeyed toward Damascus to, to take those also who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. As I was on my way and drew near to Damascus, about noon a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me and I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now those who were with me saw the light, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Rise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all that is appointed for you to do. 
And since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came to Damascus. Verse 12. In one, Ananias, a devout man according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me and standing by me said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very hour, I received my sight and saw him. And he said, the God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one and to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. And now, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. When I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and saw him saying to me, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves know that in one synagogue after another, I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. And when the blood of Stephen, your witness was being shed, I myself was standing by and approving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. And he said to me, go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. So obviously there's a lot here in this opening presentation, if you will, that, Jesus, that, that Paul gives to this Jewish mob of individuals. Now, let's jump back to verses 37 through 38, because if you notice, when he was arrested and dragged into the fortress of Antonia, the, where, where the barracks right across from the temple, Lysias, he assumes that Paul is an uneducated criminal. So he, he probably is not aware of who this super apostle, if you will, is. And so this question, do you know Greek? Remember, that was the common language that was used in everyday life in the Mediterranean world. So he doesn't know anything about Paul. He's thinking, okay, you were in the temple. The Jews are upset with you. So do, can you even speak our language? Or are you just this uneducated person? But then notice, they're also asking, though, are you not the Egyptian? So now let's understand what this guy is asking who Paul is. Josephus, who was a Jewish historian, remember, and towards the end of the first century, he provides an account of an Egyptian leader uh, in AD 54 who rose up and he led his followers to the Mount of Olives. Okay, so let's think this is 20 years removed from Jesus, okay, roughly. And what this Egyptian leader was promising was the destruction of Rome. Now, remember, in AD 70, the temple itself was destroyed. Ten years removed from this, you get Nero coming in, and all hell breaks loose and gets a lot worse than what they're currently seeing right now. Now, of course, Rome comes in with the soldiers. They fight back, and the Egyptian escaped, and a lot of his followers and many people in the city died. So that's it. They don't know what happened to this Egyptian leader. So it's funny that when this uproar is taking place, they're assuming that maybe Paul is this Egyptian leader. Of course, Paul replies and says in verse 39 that he's a Jew, that he's from Tarsus and uh, Cilicia. So Paul, in, when he's going to give his, you know, his first defense or his def defense speech, he's going to present his credentials. So he, again, as I was in the, in the opening, you're having to delicately deal with a Roman soldier, a high official. At the same time, you have a mob of people 
who want you to die. Now, I've been in some situations, my friends, where I've been in some hostile environments. And I have friends, colleagues of mine, who that's what they do for a living, whether you know, they go do political talks on college campuses or they're dealing with issues about uh, one's sexuality or they're dealing with socialism or they're dealing with God's existence or they're, they're debating with atheists and things have gotten out of control. Matter of fact, through the years, some of my friends have had to get security because of the death threats that they've, they, they, they've experienced. So imagine Paul in this situation. What do you do when you have people who don't know who you are that speak one language and an entire different, different group of people who speak a different language. How do you balance between the two? And I love this, you guys, because this is Paul who engaged in his culture at his time. And this is what is encouraging for all of us that you and myself and people around you, that we, we are informed, that we, we do educate ourselves and we pursue certain credentials, right? To, to, to validate maybe our positions on things but we cannot lose sight of the people around us or the people that God has called us to, to, to minister to. And, I, and one thing I love about missionaries is when they go to a different culture, a different ethnic maybe group or, or religious group or an uneducated group, they speak a language, but they have no written form of that language. And they're there to get to know them, to build trust and to patiently, and it's, and it's painstaking. I mean, it's unbelievable how diligent uh, these missionaries have been, especially these linguists, these translators, and to slowly but surely start formulating their language and start putting it into the Bible, make, putting the Bible into their language. And, and it's just when you see those kind of things, you're thinking you take someone, let's say from Tennessee, grew up in Tennessee, God lays this, this people group, small people group in the remote, remote parts of Costa Rica, let's say, or Brazil, and they study and they start learning as much as they can about this culture group, these people group. And in time, hopefully, that group will accept them and they'll be able to get their language into the Bible. And, and I see Paul here, you guys, he's a missionary. He's a missionary to his own people, but he's also been called, maybe we'll go back to Acts chapter nine, and he's giving this in this, in this defense speech, and he'll do it again later before Festus and Felix, and then of course he'll appeal to Caesar. But you see Paul engaging the people that he's in front of. He presents his credentials. He's an educated Jew, okay? Uh, he's educated in Hebrew. He knows his mother tongue of his people. And he, he proved that he was not just a diaspora Jew who spoke Greek. That's important because he was one of these people. He led these people. And now he's back as a Christian. And so in verses 1 through 21, he is able to present and give a defense, he says. And when he addresses them in the native tongue of Hebrew, they became even more quiet. And that's how he was able to grab their attention. Paul opens his defense formally in a Jewish fashion, in a Jewish way. And then he's speaking in Hebrew. And his main defense is to prove that he is not a Jewish apostate because that's what they're accusing him of. And you guys, when you get accused of something, don't get defensive. You can make a defense without being defensive. Now, if you want more information about how to do that, 
my latest book, Challenging Conversations, a practical guide to discuss controversial topics in the church, released by Baker Books. You can get it, get where you can get that book where books are sold. But I but I, I take that approach, like we're seeing here with Paul. And it's brilliant. These are some accusations. He defends his case. And then in verses three through, or excuse me, just in verse three, he goes back to his upbringing. He starts talking about his life. He wants people to see him as a person. And I think oftentimes we neglect that simple point. You're a human, I'm a human. We both have feelings. We both have ideas. We both have aspirations and passions and desires. Let's not lose sight of that. So he brings up his past, his childhood, his upbringing, and he mentions his schooling under Gamaliel. Now, remember, that man was one of the most highly esteemed rabbis in the first century. So he's saying, I'm not just speaking in Hebrew. I'm not just an educated guy. I was under the tutelage of Gamaliel himself. And he wants to point out that his Jewishness is even more solid, if you will, than many of the Jews that are in the audience trying to have him killed. He has formal training. It's undisputed. That's something Paul talked about in Galatians 1, verse 14, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 4 through 6. So this is important. And so oftentimes, my friends, instead of jumping in to a certain issue that you maybe disagree with with a, with a friend or colleague, make sure that you, you kind of get to the backstory. You know, maybe, you know, hey, this is how uh, I was raised. You tell me how you were raised. And, and that's how he addresses it now. What Paul does now in verses four and uh, verse five is he deals with the persecution that, that God, that he felt God had called him to do against the people of the way. He says here in verse four, I persecuted this way to the death. And he binded and delivered many of them in prison. So he was very abusive. Paul tells his audience that he himself was so zealous to ensure that the law was not broken. I mean, he mentioned that in Galatians one, verse 13 again. And he persecuted the members of the way. Remember, those are early Christians who didn't abide by the strict teachings of Judaism. So they saw them as a threat. And so Paul went out there with the direction of the Sanhedrin. Now, Paul isn't condemning the Jews for their treatment of him. He's merely showing compassion to his attackers. Isn't that amazing? I mean, again, either we, we flee the scene or we attack back. We get defensive. Now, again, I'm not saying that if someone is violent towards you that you don't defend yourself. But in this situation, and there are many situations I think that we can get, in, get, in, uh, get involved in, uh, even though we're not even you know, prepared for them. But when something like this comes about and you have to give a defense, you have to be bold, my friends, to do it and just do it gently. Don't attack. Again, Paul isn't condemning these Jews because of how they're treating him. He's saying, you know how I treated Christians? I was blinded. I knew no different than like you guys. But now he talks about his conversion in verse 6 all the way to verse 11. And what Paul does is he gives the account, says, hey, I was once like you guys. I was zealous for the law. I thought these people were bad. But then I saw the light. I was converted on the road of Damascus. And it's interesting because, again, this account closely parallels in chapter 9, verse 3 through 6, when Paul, you know, was, was, was going to Damascus. And so when Luke was recording that account, and he was recording this one here in 22, 
Of course, it's going to it's going to parallel because it's of the same story, the same account. And he talks about encountering in verses 12 and following. He starts talking about meeting Ananias. And this is fascinating because Paul brings up Ananias because he wants to stress how a devout and honorable Jew. So notice the connection. You guys have this idea that this is what a Jew really is. What, but yet we're Jews and I come from the highest esteem, educated by Gamaliel himself and was zealous for good works and, and keeping the law. But yet I've seen the light. And then not only that, but then God sends me someone who saw the light before I did. And he's an honorable, devout Jew. And he was sent by God as a messenger to heal me, to help me. And you know what's amazing, my friends? It was another fellow Jew who's converted. Today, we call the Messianic Jews. Who called Paul. When he healed him, he helped him. And he calls him out. He commissions him to go spread the gospel. Like, okay, Paul, God has a responsibility. That, or excuse me, God has given you a responsibility for you now to go do the work that you're to do. Now, it says here, the, the washing away of your sins. Again, baptism does not wash away your sins literally and spiritually. Baptism is an outward symbol of an inward regeneration of the work of the Holy Spirit that you see in Romans 6, verse 4, Titus chapter 3, verse 5. So when he's talking about another Jew helping, he's conveying to these Jewish people, maybe you guys have it all wrong. Because then he goes deeper into this vision that he gets from God. Now, of course, when you're speaking to Jews, and he goes from verse 17 to verse 21 about a vision from God. I mean, again, there's visions from God all over the, what we refer to as the Old Testament, the Jewish scriptures. So what Paul does here from starting with his childhood, talking about how he was persecuting the church, but then how he was converted and then receives a vision, he concludes his speech by comparing his former life with those of the mob. And in essence, what he's doing is he's testifying to their own lostness. My friends, there are times where we have to do that with people. You know, sometimes people could be very strong about their opinion and they could be totally off. We respect that, but you got to do pushback. Okay. You can respect it, but you got to push back on it. And oftentimes Christians are like, well, who am I to judge? I don't want to do that. But sometimes like Paul does, he uses his personal testimony as a way to share the gospel. So now notice what happens beginning in verse 22. We see here that Paul appeals now, the second part of our lesson here on the podcast, he appeals to his Roman citizenship. And that's where we pick things up now here in chapter 22. And let's look at verse 22 here. Now it says, up to this word, they listened to him. Then they raised their voices and said, away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. And as they were shouting and throwing off their cloaks and flinging dust into the air, the tribune ordered him to be brought into the barracks, saying that he should be examined by flogging. Now, remember, that's the Latin uh, flagellum with these leather whips that contain uh, shards of glass, bones, rocks, and metals. This is Jesus was flogged, remember? And he says, have him be flogged to find out why they were shouting against him like this. But when they had stretched him out, for the whips, Paul said to the centurion who was standing by, is it lawful for you to flog a man who is a Roman citizen and uncondemned? 
When the centurion heard this, he went to the tribune and said to him, What are you about to do? For this man is a Roman citizen. So the tribune came and said to him, Tell me, are you a Roman citizen? And he said, that is Paul, yes. The tribune answered, I bought this citizenship for a large sum, Paul said, but I am a citizen by birth. So those who were about to examine him withdrew from him immediately, and the tribune also was afraid, for he realized that Paul was a Roman citizen and that he had bound him. Now, this is fascinating because, remember, up to this point, the mob, they were listening to Paul. And he, again, he was going back to his life and how he was persecuting the people of the way. He shared about meeting Ananias. He's giving his testimony. But the moment, notice, that he, a Jew, claims that the Lord sent him to speak to who? To the Gentiles. They had enough. Remember, they said, okay, we accept that you're a Jew. You're an educated Jew. You're speaking in the mother tongue. You're talking about this other honorable, devout Jew who helped you. And you're speaking to us, your own people group. That's great. But now you're talking about God, our holy God, who they don't even mention by name, sent you to a defiled group of people. They had enough. The Jews were not going to accept equality with Gentiles. It's one thing when, when you as a Jew are seeking purification, that you're overcoming certain things, that you want to continue to improve in the law. It's another thing now where you're saying God is accepting all of us. And so they shouted at him. They wanted to get him to be flogged. And by taking their, clo their cloaks off, the Jews were demonstrating that they were ready to kill Paul on their own. So that's the gestures now. So things are getting out of control because saying, if you're not going to deal with this guy, we're going to deal with him. Now, the flinging dust in the air, this is a gesture uh, depicting rage after hearing a blasphemous, profane statement. Have you ever been in that situation, my friends? When after sharing the gospel, people taunt you, they make fun of you, and you're just, you're praying that they're going to listen, they're going to receive your message, and then maybe you say something that just triggers. You know, recently I was watching a video from a friend of mine, Ray Comfort, when, and I love seeing what he does, and he, he was having a good conversation with somebody, but the moment he mentioned Jesus Christ, the guy got really upset. And so, of course, you know, he starts using foul language and, you know, he's bleeping it out, of course, and, um, you know, gestures with his hands and things like that. And his demeanor just changed. And, of course, Ray then had to kind of end the conversation with him. But could you imagine a mob of people here ripping their, their, uh, clo their cloaks and flinging dust in the air because they're saying what you just said is blasphemous, it's profane, and you need to be punished? And so now you see Paul being laid bare and they're going to examine him, meaning they're going to challenge him in flogging. Now, remember, Paul had already been flogged five times. If you remember, five times Paul had been flogged and beaten with rods by Roman magistrates three different times. You can see that in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 24 through 25. Now, just because he had been flogged before many times doesn't mean he was looking forward to this one. But at this point in time, I think when they probably revealed his skin and they're going to flog him, they probably saw how mutilated Paul's body was because of the beatings that he endured. And remember, he endured these beatings because he was a Christian. Let that sink in. And at this point, as they stretched him out for the whips, 
You know, he says, is it lawful for you guys to do this if I'm a Roman? Now, this is a great thing about Paul. He knows Hebrew. He knows Greek. He knows the Jewish law. He knows the Roman law. Now, remember, a Roman citizen was exempt from being tortured because they had a right to be formally charged in front of a judge. So that's why Paul was announcing his Roman citizenship because he hadn't been formally charged. He didn't know why he hadn't received a legal hearing and yet he was just going to be uh, punished. That's what that phrase where it said examined him by flogging. And again, this was a way for the, the Romans just to appease the Jewish people by beating or even in some cases killing one of their own people that they want to have crucified just like they did with Jesus. Now, this whole issue, then when the centurion heard this and he went to the tribune, I like what the expositor's Bible commentary says in the New Testament, quote, we do not know how and when Paul's family acquired Roman citizenship. Most likely one of Paul's ancestors received it for valuable services rendered to a Roman administrator or general in either the Giscala region, if I said that right, of Northern Palestine or at Tarsus. So when, when, the, when the centurion said that it cost me a lot to get my own citizenship, and Paul says, well, I've had it since birth, he probably, we know that Paul grew up in a wealthy family, and they had a wealthy trade, and he was, again, educated um, because of the wealth, and he was in, again, a very prestigious position because of his family. We don't know how that occurred, but we just know that it had at some point. Now, the tribune was afraid in hearing this, and rightly so, because already at this point, they had bound a Roman citizen and they treated him uh, inappropriately. And this would have major repercussions on Lysias if, if uh, the governor and other people that he reported to got word of how he was mistreating their own people. It's one thing when you make a mistake against a Jew. It's another when you make a mistake against your own type of people. But the amazing thing is, my friends, as we conclude this podcast today in Acts 22, is that in the midst of him being arrested, in the midst of having a mob of people who want him to be killed, notice Paul didn't back down. Paul spoke the truth, and he did it lovingly. He tried to connect with them by talking about his upbringing. He was able to defend his case. He shared the truth of Jesus, knowing full well that the moment he said that, people would respond with indignation, and they did. And then the Romans jump in there, and they strip him, and they're going to beat him again for something he didn't get. For what? He didn't do anything wrong. And my friends, one thing I just want to leave you with on the podcast today, something that I was meditating, thinking about is, you know, a lot of people are going to assume things about you. There are going to be a lot of people that are going to judge you on account of something you did or you didn't. And it could get frustrating. It could be very hurtful. Now, some of you possibly listening, because we have a lot of listeners all over the world, you might be in a situation right now where you're serving God in a very hostile environment. Perhaps maybe you know somebody who has been persecuted. You know, through the years, I've had the, the privilege of meeting several people in conferences. And as a pastor, we've invited uh, many people who come in, and sometimes we have to keep it very secret. We can't divulge where they're ministering at, what the name of their organization is. Uh, the way we have to f support them is, is you know, again, it's, it's very, um, you know, secretive, right? But 
when you hear these men and women devoting their lives for a cause far greater than them, and the Lord has miraculously protected them time and time again, and they, like Paul here, were put in situations where they didn't think they were going to get out of it, and yet God delivered them. Isn't it so encouraging, my friends, and convicting at the same time to hear these stories? So wherever you're at right now, know as God has conveyed to Paul multiple times, I am with you. I will be with you. I will protect you. Because listen, Stephen was martyred. Paul was eventually martyred. Did God abandon both of those men because they didn't do something he wanted them to do? No, of course not. It was their time to come home. And it's a statement, though, that when someone goes out trusting in the Lord and not recanting, it fires people up. And so I just pray, you guys, whatever you're going through right now, be like Paul. Be persistent. Don't give up. Take the challenges that God has called you to do, and God will use you mightily, and great will be your reward in heaven. So thank you guys for watching. If you've not subscribed to my channel, make sure you do so. If you've never left a review, like I said, man, we would love for you guys to continue to get the word out there to tell people that they can come to a podcast like this to learn verse by verse books of the Bible. So thank you guys for watching. And until next time, keep standing strong, my friends. For more information on Jason Jimenez and Stand Strong Ministries, visit us at standstrongministries.org. Thank you for listening and keep standing strong in the Word of God.